1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
2: 18 plus.
0: Hey babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this.
2: Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana.
0: Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Now here's a brief moment on another great podcast from the Osiris Network. All of our podcasts can be found at OsirisPod.com.
1: Hey now. This is Aaron from No Simple Road. No Simple Road is part of the Osiris podcast family. We're a weekly podcast that brings you in-depth and open, honest conversations with the musicians, artists, authors, and luminaries of the psychedelic jam band, improvisational music, and festival communities. We bring you inside the lives of the four of us that do this show, myself, Melanie, Apple, and Ryder. We bring you onto the porch and what it's like to live inside the long, strange trip. So if you like to laugh, if you like to have fun, if you like to learn stuff, come hang out with the No Simple Road crew on the porch and listen to No Simple Road on the Osiris Podcast Network.
0: What's up, everybody? We're back. This is episode 157, Helping Friendly Podcast. This is RJ. I'm here with Matt and Jonathan. What's up, guys? Hi there. Hey, hey. Um, I was thinking, I was laughing to myself when I was putting my kid to bed and I was like, what am I going to say about where Brad is? And I was going to say Brad's still reading the Mueller report, but he's here <laughs> right now. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? <laughs> so good. Um, we're back. We're all here, and we 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 actually added we added a person, um, the Osiris co-founder and creative director, Tom Marshall. Hello, Tom.
3: Could we please not talk about Mueller? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, so ends only, the politics hour. Only the only the Muller Jam. Um, all right. So we're excited to be back. Like We've been kind of doing the quick hits and popping in each of us every now and then, but we're all here to, to chat about Summer Tour, which is cool. One thing I'd say is uh, if you have seen the, the link to the audience survey that we're doing for Osiris but haven't uh, filled it out yet, you should do that because you can win an awesome poster that was actually done through through a connection of toms and it's a really amazing poster and a few people are going to win those and more importantly we just want input from our listeners tell us what we're doing right what we're doing wrong what we can do better so um guys we're here to talk about fish jonathan you are the fish news um guru today and always need well, some intro um, music
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: little
1: teletype thing maybe um <laughs> 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 we do have some fish news. So the uh the big news this week is Vita Blue is back. Uh it's been ages since we had Vita Blue. Uh, A professional newsman would know, but uh, I don't remember (laughs) numbers. Uh, But we have a new album called Crossing Lines that comes out on September 20th. It'll be out digitally then. I think there'll be physical stuff coming out shortly after that. Uh, You can buy it now at the Fish Band website. Uh, And also we have three shows scheduled. Paige said that he uh, just kind of wants to dip his toes in see how they go. So we have three shows in September, on the 18th in D.C. at the 930 Club, the 20th at the Fillmore in Philly, and on the 21st at the Cap in Port Chester, New York. Uh, who's going to shows? I'm going to try to
3: do this D.C. show. Philly for me. Right on. Yes. And a guitarist. A guitarist this time, right?
0: Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
3: I remember uh, specifically last time I saw Vita Blue play, I saw Paige afterwards and congratulated him. On the awesome rendition of "No Quarter" by Led Zeppelin, and uh, he took the compliment, um, y- y- you know, in stride, but immediately said it would have sounded a lot better with a guitar. <laughs> so, and then shortly after that, Fish played it, and it really did sound better with a guitar. Um, Zeppelin without Jimmy Page wouldn't be Zeppelin, I guess. No Zeppelin, yeah. Yeah, but so maybe now they'll uh, they'll hopefully play that one again.
1: Yeah, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm excited to see O'Teal up there with Paige. So that'll be, that's going to be fun, a lot of fun. It's been too long since we
2: had the uh, Vita Blue on tour. So, yeah. Page called O'Teal the best electric, probably the best electric bassist out there, right? In that Rolling Stone article, which I thought was obviously really high praise and surprising. Uh,
1: it is, but the man is the man is extraordinarily capable. I mean, mm-hmm. I, Paige probably saw him before i did but i first saw him back in the uh aru days and the guy blew me
4: away he's he's, and he continues to do so as far as i'm concerned if you can scat sing what you're playing on the bass at the same time that you're playing it you're pretty freaking good (laughs) he could probably
0: sing chords so what what did you guys think of that the single i dug it it's awesome
2: Yes, very Vita vita
4: Bluey. It's very, yeah, it's very Vita Bluey. I love the lyrics Um, Mm -hmm. for, you know, being kind of an audio geek. I love kind of some of the references he throws in there. Like he starts out talking about... You know, listening to the radio all the time and being addicted to it, but then it kind of comes into like channeling his emotions through distortion and delay and stuff like that. Um, And there's some cool little mixing tricks in there where they throw in the different effects as uh, as he sings about them. So I kind of geeked out on that, Um, but I like it, man. I've I've been listening to that track kind of on repeat, so I'm stoked for the rest of the album.
0: So (laughs) we're gonna we want to recap the summer tour. We did quick hits. Um, We
4: did not miss a show, did we, Matt? No, we did every single one. And I, uh, you know, in the last quick hit, I gave a bunch of thank yous to sponsors and people who were um, involved in, in this. And what I realized I didn't say on mic that I had actually said to a bunch of the guests toward the end of the tour, this was the best tour we've had in terms of guests. We were pretty... Um, direct with everybody when we put out the call for, uh, you know, people to help us out at the beginning of the tour that we didn't want people who were going to walk out on us. And we were like highly successful. (laughs) So I really have to, I've got to give it up to the people that were our quick hit guests this summer. There was like one or two days where we kind of had to chase some people down, but we had backups and usually like... You know, the first person would be like, yeah, I just can't make it happen. And the backup was like right there to do it, which is awesome because there's definitely been some days in the past where it's been like three or four in the afternoon and we're like, oh, can't find anybody who was at the show last night. I guess we'll just talk about it. So um, yeah, thanks for, for everybody. And if we didn't get to you, because I know there's a lot of people that want to um, get involved in them, um, you know, there w- will be opportunities in the, in the future, of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And keep sending the ideas and thoughts for episodes. We're taking notes. We have a long list of episodes, you know, apart from the tour stuff. So keep it coming. 23 shows, 23 quick hits. Matt did an amazing job editing and putting them together every day with the ads and and all the stuff. So good work, Matt. Oh, shucks. (laughs) So, all right, we have, we're going to do something different the way we run through the tour. Typically we go through every show or every you know run and we talk about the shows. That we determined is not only something we've done a bunch of times. So we wanted to mix it up, but it's also somewhat burdensome. Like, cause we're like, and then, and then on show 21, um, they played, you know, whatever. So, so we're gonna try something different. We're gonna talk about a few thematic areas and we're gonna, we all have thoughts on specific questions such as what's the MVP of the tour song and band member wise and a couple other questions that all of us have answered. So, um, we're going to get to that in a second, but Tom, um, first of all, thanks for coming back on HF pod. We're happy to have you back. Sure thing. I know that you saw, I think you saw nine shows in 13 days based on my calculation, which, um, even though so. you, 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 there was at one to... point
3: I had 48 tickets.
0: <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And I know you like, you, you generally take it pretty easy. I mean, you go home after the show and you sleep and you, you know, you're like, you, you do it as if you were just going out to like a, you know, a show at the theater, as opposed to how some people do fish tour where they stay up till five in the morning. So
3: that I helps. That except, <laughs> except for Mohegan, I, I pretty much adhered to those rules.
0: So you must be first of all, it's exhausting it sounds exhausting but a couple of questions for you based on that experience um, so the this show or this tour was a little bit different because there was a mix of um, indoor and outdoor shows, but also some some venues that they don't often play a couple first time venues um, I guess g- going from outdoor to indoor and and vice versa specifically how how did that affect the experience for you like you went from Fenway rain out to a casino and, and before that's back in Camden, it's just a lot of different um, venues and experiences.
3: Yeah. Well, really just, I mean, just talking about the weather maybe and how the weather affects the show. Like for example, uh, Camden first night, <clears throat> there was an incredible rain deluge and I had just gotten under a roof when it opened up. But for me, I mean, even though like a lot of my pals were out there and all had, you know, we're soaked Type complaints. Um, I don't think that one affected the band because it's you know they're so far under that pavilion that they're not really um, near the rain and you know they're they know that some of their fans are getting wet and stuff. But I think they, they, I don't even remember if there was a delay for that. And so I didn't think that affected Fish or the music. But um, Fenway, obviously, everyone got seriously affected. I got absolutely completely soaked and it forced a delay. Um, which forced the band into playing that one long set, which I actually loved. How did you guys like that uh, that one set experience?
1: I, I thought that one set sounded pretty good. And what's interesting, uh, we were talking earlier, RJ and I, about like song length and jam length, and I started looking at how long the shows were, and I noticed that show was uh, in an audience tape, two hours thirty eight minutes which is the same length as Camden 1, which is uh, not the shortest show of tour. So they actually managed to get basically a full show in. Uh, they made up for it by not, taking,
3: by not taking the break. You're saying they made up for it.
1: Yep. They made up for it there. And despite the delay at Camden, they still managed to turn in a full show, which cool. is impressive, really.
2: Yep. I like that Fenway um, still took kind of the arc of a two-set show. um uh, with the, right after, about to run kind of closed what would be the first set, and then the disease, the Down With Disease started a second set, but there was no break, as we mentioned. So I thought that was neat to to watch and, and to go back and listen to.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think like, I mean, Tom, did did it feel different show-wise? Because I think watching from home, it felt different, but I think it's partially like the expectations a little bit, right? Like people were like, well, if they're only going to do one set, then they're they're going to do Game Henge twice or whatever. Like, you know, something... <laughs> something like the expectations are high when it's like you know now it's a different thing so they they either will do something special because they want to or they you know owe the fans or something like that but it, what was the energy like inside the venue for that show
3: there was there was like the common you know we just overcame this adversity uh common thread that we shared mm-hmm. with the with the band and there was talk about you know them blowing through curfew and doing all kinds of stuff to make up for it um but yeah, I, I kind of stopped paying attention to that, not really knowing what to expect myself, and was just pleasantly surprised by by them just playing a marathon set. It was just, uh, you know, I kind of didn't keep track of what other people were thinking or saying.
0: Tom, another question for you. Um, the the past several years, I think there have been new songs debuted that you were responsible for writing the lyrics to, like Blaze On and Everything's Right, that then turned into, you know, jam vehicles very quickly. And that seems to be... a recurring theme through this period since 2009. Um, there were more than 20 songs, this tour that are new, which is, which is crazy. Um, how have you seen this affect the way the band plays? Like when they're integrating new material? Cause you've seen this over the years. I mean, not just since 2009, obviously, but since what, 19, 1990 or something. So what, what's, how does that affect, you know, what you see happening when they're integrating new material?
3: Well, First of all, I think we we should sort of reflect on how this is the norm for fish, but like you know, it's incredible they're they're always coming out with new music and the fans actually like it. When you think about another band like I just saw Fleetwood Mac And there was, you know, they played all their hits, and everyone was thrilled. And then they mentioned, and now we're going to try a new one. And everyone got up and went to the bathroom. (laughs) Wow. The entire stadium. And uh, it was the worst time to go to the bathroom, but everyone did, and myself included, because no one cared about the new song. And, you know, how many people are, the, the Stones are on tour, how many people are interested in what Mick and... Uh, Keith have been writing currently. You know what I mean. You're not going there for that. Whereas Fish, 34 years of playing, um, their new music is. I mean, it, it's unbelievable that everyone's talking about a song, "Ruby Waves," that mm-hmm. is a brand new song this tour. I mean, just thinking about that is is pretty intense. It bounce off the stars like a pinball machine Look around All the lights on the machine are flashing Till they explode And the particles join up with the sea of love Ruby waits for So Mercury and, and Blazon and everything, everything's right, are now older songs. <laughs> when you think about it, right? right they're right, like right. kind of part of their regular rotation, and they're not new anymore. But uh, Mercury did get some good play uh, this time around. Yeah, and people are, are talking about too? it. Yeah, people are talking about it too, which is cool. And uh, I think I just—I think that was written in 2015, so it's actually not that old, but it seems old now. It's
2: got some miles on it now. Yeah, what I mean—the yeah. wingsuit set, even look, looking back at that, or Fuego, you know, now. I mean, that was 2013, which is not that long ago, but seems forever ago as far as Fish Tunes go.
4: I mean, I mean um, really, if you think about it, that material is basically like four albums ago. You know, what I mean? <laughs> wow, <laughs> yeah, good, yeah.
3: That's it's incredible crazy. for for an older band and having the fans respond so well to the new music. I defy you to name another band whose fans.
2: Page, we've yeah. talked about him, but yeah. Paige is talking about recording again, right? That they're looking forward, which yeah. uh, you know, I, we 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 take it for granted, and we hope it never stops. But um, it's incredible when you look at it.
4: But but I mean, Tom Tom makes a really good point there because I mean. You know, I've, I've experienced that and I experienced that with the Stones going back to when I saw them for the first time in the 90s. I mean, it was the same time thing when they were on tour for, you know, Voodoo Lounge and Bridges to Babylon. And, you know, you see it even with Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney plays, you know, three hours of Beatles hit. But the one point where he's like, all right, I'm going to play something off my newest album and everybody goes to the bathroom. And I think like
1: reading. <laughs> he's be- commented on it, too. Yeah. He, he's completely aware because all the phones go down. Exactly.
4: He calls it a black hole. That yeah. that uh, that he's suddenly looking into a black hole and all the phones go away because nobody <laughs> wants to take video of it anymore. But I think you know w- there was that New York Times article that um, uh, with the interview with Trey and he kind of made reference to that. And I I don't know. I mean, like I don't know, Tom, if you have a thought on this or if you've talked to these guys about it at all. But it seems like there's a deliberate attempt to not become like those legacy acts where it's like all right we want to only want to hear the old shit and anytime you play anything from like you know the last you know kind of like golden years of your of your career that nobody wants to hear like they want to try to keep making new great music that people are super super invested in and i think this is that you know then you wind up with things like them jamming for 38 minutes on a brand new song that keeps people super super invested in, in what they're doing at the moment
3: Right. Yeah. No, I haven't really spoken too much about that sort of thing. But to me, it also makes it it sort of like keeps the set list and the set list construction fresh and makes like makes the ability for bust outs. And it it increases the fun factor having a new set of music that they can play and they're touring with. You know, it's just uh, it it adds tools to their toolbox.
1: Yeah. I mean They've always mixed up set list through the whole through their entire career. So as they keep adding songs, they keep... I mean, they're growing the playlist. I don't remember how many songs they've done on this year, but on this tour alone, they did well over 200 songs, which is just an astonishing
3: accomplishment, really. Yep. 200 unique songs. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's wild. Um, it, so it's, um, but your take is like, that's the norm now. It's, it doesn't seem different because it's the it is the norm because every tour they're they're coming out with new songs so the the only the only norm is you know the change
3: yeah expect the unexpected or expect the expected <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so there so i have like a th- question that i want to throw out there because i think it might it gets into sort of like ranking and how we think about whether the band is like playing well and stuff like that, which I don't ever know because I'm not there, but but people seem to know or, or think they know, and um, they they're okay. So a couple of tours ago, and over the past several years, I think if they're doing like a two night run or a three night run, you could generally see like them building momentum across a two or three night run um, with a lot of the you know Meriwether and Camden and, and Philly, like lots of runs, right? But this, this tour seemed different to me. And I don't know if it was just me, but um, for example, like the Meriwether shows, there was there were two of them. They were both, they seemed to be pretty similar in terms of like, they were both pretty good. And Matt, you were there, so you would you would have a stronger opinion than I do. But it wasn't like they built up to the second night. And then some some of the runs, like the Bangor, the first night of Bangor, I thought was really, really good. And then the second night, I thought was like a little less good. And I'm just wondering, like, it just seems like when they have a three-night run to to build up momentum and get comfortable, that makes more sense to me than coming into like coming off a long trip up to Bangor and the first night is like seems like they're full of energy and then the second night seems a little bit less. So, do you guys feel like that happened, or do you think that that's just my own um, perspective? I, I think there are no rules,
1: and, and that's the first rule you should know about fish: is that they're going to do they're going to do what they do and it some days it's going to be you know big jam night some nights it's going to be micro jam night some nights it's going to be bust outs and some nights it's going to be combinations of all of the above and people are going to walk in with their expectations and walk out with different feelings about what they saw and you can find you know five people with five different opinions of just about every one of those every one of these shows uh, I mean, we can find people on the internet right now who think the Ruby Waves jam is, you know, not very good. I don't really want to talk to them, but they exist. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to pop your bubble on your theory. No, no, no. Because uh, you, you can. You know, your you observation to. is valid, certainly for your own opinion, and I don't think it's wrong. <laughs> Thank um, you. U- unlike many of the things that you say. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, I, I, it, there's something to it. I, I don't disagree that there's, you know, I think there's something to it, but I, I think that there's just no, there's no rules.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you look for patterns, you're going to be disappointed. Or, you know, you'll find them. Yeah. But they just might not be the ones you're looking for. Yeah. Whoa. No, or if you look hard enough, you'll find one and
2: whatever. You can right, convince right. yourself, right? Yeah. So uh, what I was going to say is, number one, we have to remind ourselves they're human, right? And they're not, they're not there to please you. Even though I've you, seen you, no you, evidence of that. Uh, <laughs> even though that um, we all want to be pleased and, and expect, and it's, it, we're it, we're there to feel good, but um, they're going to do what they want. And I also also we have to remember that if if we're expecting something, and there's any hint of it to them, I think that they're going to try to go the other direction always, right? Um, so number one, yeah, they might be tired from a long trip like to Toronto or, or the second night of Bangor in, in, um, uh, and it might not just feel right. Uh, but they're, it's not that they're not trying their hardest and I don't think anybody gives them enough credit for that, especially on the internet. It's fucking <laughs> brutal. On Internet's the,
0: fucking... the worst. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough place.
4: <laughs> yeah. I, I think li- yeah. like any other tour, there's, you know, some nights are better than others, um, I'll stay away from calling them good good nights and bad nights because I don't think there is such thing as a bad night for fish. I mean they're they're extremely rare over the course of their career. but I mean you're gonna have stronger shows than than others. I think what maybe made this tour feel a little bit different was that a it seemed like for a lot of times you know specifically when they they're at kind of a turning point, where it feel you know like it felt like this year with a lot of new material and stuff, it's easy to kind of latch on to like themes in their playing. You know, you can call this tour the the funk tour, or this tour was the Plinko tour, or, or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's felt a little bit more difficult to find that kind of a theme. And I also think that um, the variation in quality between nights was actually not that much overall. Like you didn't see a huge difference from night to night with, you know, maybe a couple exceptions. Whereas like in a lot of tours, you might say like, Oh, well this night was like way better than the night after because it had this huge jam and everybody's kind of listening to that. There weren't a lot of that, those marquee moments particularly in the first half of the tour, I think it was just overall like really, really great playing. Like a lot of people, you Mm -hmm. know, RJ, you tweeted something about like, you know, the Toronto show not being very good. And a lot of people responded and said like, yeah, you know what? If, on paper and stuff, and, and if you're looking for highlights, maybe not, but, like, if you listen to the whole thing, there was really great playing and really great energy and really great, con, you know, con, kind of consistency. So it's not like, you know, one night's a ten and the next night's a one. It's more like if they're playing, like, sixes or sevens every night from night to night, it it feels like things aren't standing out quite as much. Um, does, that, does that make sense?
3: Yeah. I think some, like, there's definitely runs where the, like, in a New Year's run where Trey, no, no question, saves certain songs for the final big ultimate night. Um, but I think a tour these days is more like Baker's Dozen where every night can be excellent and the band strives for excellence every night and makes a point not to, um, you know, make a, a difference uh, in the micro runs, like three nights here, two nights there. I don't think they're building up to that last night at all, really anymore? I think they're trying to just do a show every single night.
0: I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let Matt deface my my record. <laughs> I did not tweet and say the Toronto show was bad. I was <laughs> simply asking a question, which is, was it? Was did it, it really? deserve a 2.8? Yeah. Sorry, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but because yeah. because yeah. I actually listened to it the other day and I was like, well, this is not this is not as bad as yeah. the internet will yeah. make you believe. But that happens so much, right? But
4: and conversely, like you know, I don't usually like to make you know statements like this but alpine valley 3 is not the second best show they've ever played (laughs) which is it's where it's ranked on fish.net right now so like you know i mean to to your point brad like there's a lot of confirmation bias there's a lot of recency bias there's a lot of like fish.net didn't exist 20 years ago where people were going on the next day and saying oh my god greatest show ever give it a five you know you just don't have that so you got to take all that stuff with a grain of salt
1: yeah I think it. I think we should just go ahead and open the box and reveal our conversation from the other day about these uh, the ratings <laughs> on FishNet. And FishNet is a wonderful thing. Everybody should support the Mockingbird Foundation. We all use FishNet as a reference. The ratings system is entirely subjective, heavily based on recency bias. Um, if if it had existed in '95, I would have been putting fives on all the time, uh, but I've never rated a show on fish.net. Sorry. Sorry to everybody because I'm not helping, but it's, uh, I I think that I'm not alone in that. And I think that that is not the absence of my votes, but just that kind of thing is taints those numbers. So I don't really ever look at those numbers. Um, Toronto, for example, the, um, you know, it's got a few songs on my uh, summer slams mix on live fish and uh it you know, that golden age is is pretty fly and i okay. don't say
0: fly lightly <laughs> no you don't i've actually never heard you say it before which is okay so related to that here's another question just coming from from the alpine three like you mentioned matt can can fish just like do that like what they did at alpine three is that is that um a conscious decision because i think a, a smart people who I, whose opinions i value um We're like, yeah, and that's why that's why we hold it to such high standards, because they can do that, which I'm not sure I would even agree with that. But what do you guys think? Can they just like they're like, all right, tonight is going to be like, well, the bust outs you can decide. Right. But can you decide that, like, tonight we're just going to play an absolutely perfect show or whatever, (laughs) a near
3: perfect show? No, I'm going to say no, just because of the number of variables that actually go into it. If you analyze it, just, you know. Is John in a good mood, you know? Did he have a an argument w- w- with someone on the phone right before he went out? Is Paige catching a cold? Is, is uh, Mike having trouble with his equipment? I mean, there's so many variables when you figure four people on stage with very complicated rigs, just that alone, and then when you add set list structure like you know are are the jams good does did they put a a slow song you you know and ruin right in the place where the mood was really good and and ruin it you know what i mean there's so incredibly many variables Mm -hmm. that have to all line up perfectly to make a, a show a 10 that i don't think they could possibly uh plan to do it however i think every night they're planning to do it
2: it, and I think RJ it, we tweeted about or texted about it at least um that it sure seemed like they were pulling them out the last night at alpine mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. it it's like um are they trying to save something or did they save all these to for the for the last as a treat
0: right and right. that's
2: kind of the part that um i I question and I'm not questioning like in a you know bad manner it's just um yeah and, I, and it lends to kind of uh, some of the tweets that are like you know, these are why we, this is why we're jaded vets because they could do this more often. But if they did it more often, it wouldn't be as cool. Hmm? Right. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. The, the for the to the songs thing, Brad. I think that it's entirely possible that a couple of those were on the list uh, in St. Louis and he didn't get to them. I think that at some point by the end of the tour, Trey is probably going, oh, you know, we haven't got to this yet, so they're more likely to sure. pop up than right. you know whatever he's feeling at the beginning of the tour. But beyond that. You know, there's not a lot of there's not long-term planning. it's it's that short-term planning.
2: Have you seen that list before, Tom?
3: I have. And it starts in the morning with every fish song. It's kind of cool. Trey, like will circle songs and turn it into a list of thirty by giving it to by giving circled songs on a huge list to somebody who refines it into the list of thirty. and awesome. uh, i've seen I've seen both stages of those, like when I've been on on tour with the
0: band. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, the other yeah.
4: I think the other thing with the song selection is you know, it's it's not always as deliberate as you th- think because S- Trey himself said, you know, it might be that Maybe in the first night of the tour, he says, "Ooh, it's ice." And Paige says, mm, you know what? I could use you know a couple days to practice that. I don't think I'm quite ready." Or Mike might say that, or whatever. And so I think you start to see some of that stuff at the end of the tour, just because naturally, like if they've come up with ideas earlier in the tour, they're going to play it later. I know Tom, you've mentioned a couple times, like the soundcheck stuff, right? We we sat and listened to that crazy soundcheck the third night in Camden, and they didn't play all of those songs, like "Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday" and stuff that all came a couple nights later when maybe they sound checked it but then they were like yeah we should probably practice it up a little bit more before we actually do it on stage so you know there's there's things like that that come into play i think you know as far as the core question of like can they can they turn this on on any given night i'm a firm no on that um tom you you pretty much said exactly what i was saying is like i've said on the, our show before like it could be as simple as you know somebody's got a go to the bathroom in the middle of a set. And as much as they w- they may be killing it that night and they may want to hit it out the park, there's a distraction. Or maybe, you know, the, the, the it's really hot out and their fan's not blowing on them quite right and they're a little uncomfortable. There's so many intangibles. And I think that, to, to be quite honest, like, to suggest that mm-hmm. they are this omnipotent power that they can choose when and and how they're going to play a perfect show on any given night is kind of an insult because like if, if that's the case, then why would they be so disrespectful to the audience as to not do it all the time? So is that really what your opinion is of them? Um,
3: I don't know. <laughs> exactly. No, I,
4: I, agree. I agree. I'd
1: also add that if, if they could turn it on and play a 40 minute jam every night, you know, do, would they want to, I mean, that, that would become laborious, I would think. And we'd hear the same themes a bit to, you know, they, they would, I don't want them to do that. I wouldn't, God forbid they get bored doing that. So, uh, you know, play it when it feels right. Play the songs when they feel right. They've got, they, I, I looked at the actual number. It's 218 different songs on this summer tour. And, you know, they, uh, they're all good. I want to hear those songs. So, you know, play some 40-minute jams, and play
3: some three-minute songs. Uh, Agreed. And you know what uh, occurred to me when when you guys were sort of describing it? I think what makes a a show amazing is when the band, it has to do with the audience as well, and it's when everyone in the room, including the band, starts realizing that this is an amazing show, Mm. and Mm. everything gets better. You know, it just keeps getting better, and the band's beaming at each other and laughing and and you know that's an intangible that you can't plan.
4: Yeah, Stephen Hyde made a made a comment about that on the Quick Hit for Alpine Valley 3. I think he's he hasn't seen, you know, nearly as many shows as any of us. He's relatively new to to fish within the past I think like 5 or 6 years. And that was his, one of his big takeaways was like Within the Ruby waves, not just like the, the playing was great and everything, but he was like, I was shocked when there was this point when there was a collective feeling in the room, like, oh, my God, this thing can keep going and going and going. And that's, I mean, to me, that's that's the magic right there.
0: Well, all right, guys. So we, we have some awards to give out um, there. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're, Matt, Matt, we should have, can we have drum roll music or we uh, can do it. Or, or the uh, like the, the what's the NCAA basketball uh, one shining moment, uh, one no. shining, moment. One shining moment for Jonathan? <laughs> pl- play the line. No,
4: we're, we're not doing participation <laughs> trophies here. This is nope. <laughs> yeah, this is
0: serious. All right, so guys, first first one is MVP of the tour, song, and band member. Um, my my entry is first in the notes, but I don't really want to go first. Matt, you want to go first?
4: Yeah, I think as far as band member, it's Fishman. Easily Fishman. Um, I think the fact that it, it it seemed to me like he has been practicing like crazy. His playing was outstanding this summer tempos seemed way up on a lot of songs uh in a way that they have haven't been the past couple years um there was a lot of times particularly in camden when it seemed like he was leading the jams like everybody was looking towards him to you know make the next decision on where to go um and i think that when you get mike commenting specifically in the middle of the tour about how great fishman is playing um that's really strong evidence that that he was like that uh, as far as a song, uh, my song MVP is Mercury. Um, and I think, you know, Ruby Waves had the, the big, super amazing jam of the tour. Um, there were some other great versions, but Mercury has gotten to this place where... Every version was great, but it's also got that thing that like Tweezer has where they play the first three notes of it and the place just explodes because everybody knows what's about to happen over the course of the next 15, 20 minutes. So um, I, I think that's night in, night out, the, you know, the song that I really want to see these days.
0: Nice. Um, Jonathan? Well, I,
1: I have to agree with Matt on Fishman. If I have to pick somebody, it's Fishman. I think the real value is in the group mind because they're really locking in beautifully. But at the same time, without fish driving things, it it, it falls apart. Um, I know that you, RJ, are likely to spend some time in this episode raving about a particular version of Say It to Me, Santos. But um, <laughs> I, I went back and listened to it, and I, I get why you hype Trey's solo on that. But to me, his shredding is kind of Par for shreddy rock song, and he did that on a number of nights. But this particular version is really driven by Fish's tempo, and that's where it really comes from. So Fish is constantly driving them, either keep them in the pocket or pushing them into jams, as Matt was saying, and just holding them together. Uh, and I, in particular, I want to shout out his part on "Drift While You're Sleeping," which I loved on the Ghosts tour and i mean he just slays it on stage with fish as well that is such a cool song and his parts in it are just amazing Uh, that said the song mvp on my list is stash because stash is back Uh, we had at least two really good versions i think all the versions were at least decent um that's it's and it's kind of very classic in its tone it's not necessarily going into you know completely new ground but honestly i am thrilled to get something that
2: i can hold
1: up to uh, a classic version of stash and say this is this is what they're this is done correctly and uh, they're killing that right now, and I want more of it.
0: Uh, um, is there anyone else in the Fishman camp, Tom?
3: Yeah, I, I'm in the I'm in the Fish camp. I I just, and it's awesome that we're unanimous so far um, about this. That that means something, um, and I, I'm honored to join the 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 group. Um, fishman was just absolutely solid. Uh, I mean, the other three were exceptional this tour. Um, I think everyone was on, but Fish deservedly was the object of my attention. And like John said, I think it kind of started with uh, "Ghost of the Forest" because my eyes couldn't leave him during every single song of that uh, that set. And I, I saw "Ghost in the Forest" uh, four times, and Fish Fish was who I watched. Except, except, um, and this is my song about to run. Um, yes. Which is when you can't, can't take your eyes off Trey. Um, but, but like I said, I connected with that on the, on the Ghost tour, and um, it blew me away so much. And I, I was thinking the whole time that this is going to be an amazing Fish song. And just thinking how great Trey's going to sound uh, in the sheds. Uh, on summer tour, during that part where he starts to run, you know, I'm about to run, and then boom, the guitar hits. <laughs> I yeah. I, could, I was closing my eyes and just knew that that was going to be hitting hard during Fish Tour, and it did.
0: Brad, um, so I've got I've
2: got things to say about all this, but I, I won't. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll call it right. Um, <laughs> for for band member, um, first of all, I think it's always Trey, but for this, I want to talk about Paige um because I think he's he, he um he's kind of the barometer of the band, at least I felt like it really became clear um throughout this summer tour and then reading that Rolling Stone article. um if if he's into it, if he's feeling good, I feel like everyone then is also feeling good because he kind of maybe can feel the others more. I, I, I don't know. I'm just making mm-hmm. that up. but um, <clears throat> I, I feel like he came through. Uh, a wonderful amount of times um, throughout all of summer he's got new toys he's obviously obviously confident um, and um yeah so I, I would say Paige um song um you know Jonathan you really stole my thunder here and we, we didn't talk about oh, this Sorry. we, we <laughs> didn't talk about this but um I was I wrote about stash as well um but look at that mine was more of it was played three times. Um, and I think what I got out of it is like the ethereal, wonderful, niceness, wonderfulness that I loved about ghost of the forest kind of shine through, or it could come through stash the jams after the composed part. Um, and to me, that's what, what made it lovely. Um, but then also with their efficiency to get to nice peaks within 10 or 12 or 13 minutes, um, it, it really made the song stand out to me. So, uh, I also, the Toronto version, again, I think Toronto's completely underrated. Uh, There's even like a little Plinko-ish section, a couple minutes of really awesome, maybe six or eight minutes into that stash that I think people should check out too, so...
0: I agree with, with Brad on this one. Um, I don't know. I just hear Paige much more clearly and prominently when I was listening back, um, particularly like the piano. And I don't know if that's just, I was just hearing it more or, or he was actually using it more in the jamming. There's uh, there's part of the Light from St. Louis, the Mercury from Charlotte, the Set Your Soul Free from Meriwether, where like he's just in the middle of the jam, but just very like leading the jam with the piano, which I just think is really cool. But I also think that he's been given a little more room with the Ghost of the Forest, um, songs, particularly Beneath the Sea of Stars. But, um, I don't know, those were, they're like a little bit more, um, open. They have a little bit more space in them, I think. So that allows more room for other people to step in and and Paige seemed to have done that. The, The Sea of Stars is just an amazing example of that, in my opinion. But, um, song, I think I'm gonna have to go with Ruby Waves. Um, I think, you know, there's Fuego in, in 14, um, that, you know, started being played at the end of 13, but really like kind of helped form a lot of improv in 14 blaze on and 15. Everything's right. In 2017, these new songs really fuel the improv and you guys have mentioned about to run, which I think is great, but just, I think this tour will be remembered for Ruby waves. And so I think that's, that's why I got to go with it for the song of the tour. So, all right, guys, let's move on. Um, What do you guys think about the most complete show? We sort of talked about this a little bit um, because these shows have mostly come up. I'll go first just because I'm talking and then I'm going to stop. But um, I I think Charlotte's, to me, the most complete show. I I listened to it several times in the past week or two. It just it doesn't feel like it ever slows down. And um, there is this part that Jonathan knows well and Trey's <laughs> soloing in Say It To Me Santos, which I think is his most like thrilling guitar playing of the whole tour. Um, just like multiple peaks. But the whole show just never never slows down. Um, I listened to that the day of Alpine 3 when I was driving um, up to New Hampshire, and I was like, this show is incredible. It just never slowed down. So that's my take.
4: You know, I've got to go with the obvious choice, Alpine Valley 3. Um, I'd love to be contrarian and pick something else, but I mean, really... <laughs> no, Jonathan will do that. <laughs> Don't worry. The, the thing about it is, like, it, beyond the great playing, I mean, it, it's one of those shows that has everything, right, that you'd want in a in a fish show. There's shows that where you have big jams there's shows where you have flow there's shows where you have bust outs there's shows where you have funny segments this this had all of them it reminded me a lot of the um uh july 27th 2014 the Merryweather tweezer fest um that you know it had the amazing tweezer and the flow and everything like that but there was also the really funny i've been around and jennifer dances and, and there was some bust outs in the first set it you know this the other thing that this had is it's a really long show they played i mean nearly three and a half hours of music um um, so I mean as lo- as much as I'd love to pick something else I think this is it's really a show that's gonna stand the test of time. you
1: know I had a hard time answering this uh, but of course I have opinions so um, I think Charlotte is a good show i I it's got nice song selection, a great runaway gym. I think Alpine Valley 3, it actually, to me, it really plays like a mid-90s show. Of course, there's some newer tunes in there, including the Ruby Waves, um, but even the jam and Ruby Waves, it takes me back to 95, at least structurally, not necessarily the sounds they're making, but the kind of way the jam takes shape. Um, But for me, it's Camden 3. The first set is loaded with great material, uh, and the, the second set, The Mister completely into twenty years later is outstanding, and then but that the stretch it continues uh, through big black furry creatures from Mars into Tweezer into Shade that is just that whole block is just tops for me, and the rest of the set is terrific too. Three song encore with Punch You in the Eye in the encore, what I mean, that's my stuff. Um, I've I've been all over on this tour I've listened to I didn't go to any of these shows which means none of my opinions matter but <laughs> I, I've i listened to all of them I watched a lot of them from home live and uh, this is this is
0: my pick Tom what about you you were you were at that show
3: yep and I'm really with John on this one even though I think I'm not as objective as you guys in terms of being able to compare lots of shows you're good at re-listening whereas I'm not so this I sort of answered as what, what was your favorite show and why? And, uh, so, so yes, Camden night three was probably my favorite show and it had something to do with not just the, uh, sound check that, that Matt uh, mentioned earlier and just having a perfect people around me, perfect crew, including my daughter. Um, and she and I had just done, um, she and I had just done the, uh, podcast uh, with RJ as well. It's the, um, it's uh, episode number 52 of Under the Scales called Lyrics Reprise. And uh, we talked about sense, joy, walls of the cave, steam, and pebbles and marbles. <clears throat> and I talked about pebbles and marbles with my daughter. And then shortly before this show, Trey uh, contacted me and uh, kind of in tears telling me how great that talk with my daughter about Pebbles and Marbles was. And I said, well, it turns out she's going to all of the Camden shows with me. And I think knowing that might have made him play it for me. At least I like to think that. Um, But we also requested um, Buried Alive, and we also requested uh, Sample. (laughs) <laughs> and he played nice. all three of those songs which was really amazing but uh like Matt also mentioned the the amazing sound check and we were out in the in the lot for that and it was just so great three little birds pebbles and marbles tila colonel forbin's ascent mockingbird mango um, and then driver and sleep so i was already pump was primed for a perfect show and uh you know punch you in the eye in the encore was crazy Buried Alive, like I said, fast enough. The opening curtain was just, um, it was just beautiful. And uh, love, love, love that show.
1: It's a great one.
4: All right, let's take a quick break and hear from uh, our friends over at Sirius XM who were helping us out with the quick hits all summer.
0: You may already know that Sirius XM brings you the deepest variety of commercial free music for every genre and every mood where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment, and comedy and hundreds of hand-curated music channels designed to
4: fit every mood. Where you get news from every source, where you can listen to the newly launched Fish Radio in addition to Jam On, Grateful Dead Radio, Pearl Jam Radio, Tom Petty Radio, and many more. Where you can listen to top comedy channels such as Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Radio and Netflix's A Joke Radio and Sports Talk Radio from Barstool to ESPN and more to keep you up to date on the latest news in the sports world
0: most people think you need a car to enjoy sirius xm but you don't subscribe now to listen outside the car on your phone online and at home and get your first three months for just a dollar and if you're a fish fan which you probably are you can get tour updates and shows being played which are a good compliment to our quick hits visit siriusxm.com hfpod to see offer details and to subscribe and start listening today sirius xm no car required
4: All right, and we're back. Uh, thanks again to the folks over at SiriusXM who kept things going for us with the quick hits. Um, really appreciate their their partnership uh, in this thing. So we've got three more uh, awards to give out here. Um, what do you guys think about the best new song of the tour? This has got to be a tough one because there's so much new material. Um, RJ, how about we start with you?
0: Um, I think the... Uh, I said Ruby Waves as the... As the- song MVP. So I can't use that twice, but I wouldn't anyway, because I actually, I think Beneath the Sea of Stars is, um, just the most unique new song that I, that I heard about to run is, is awesome. Like it has that incredible guitar playing from Trey that we don't really hear that much anymore. So that's, that's pretty special, but the Sea of Stars, it just sounds like a totally different, um, kind of song. And, um, I, I, I had to write the write up for Camden too, which Several people texted me after that show and were like, "Sorry, dude. Sorry, you have to do that." Because people were like disappointed, and I was like, "No, I was like, no, it's going to be fine." I mean, I <laughs> I got to go to a fish concert and then write about it, but um, but but I thought that I wrote there that like it sounded like a dark star, like that jam, and and then I, I heard other people say the same thing, not because they read my thing, but because they thought that too. So that's kind of cool, um, because you don't hear that a lot from fish. That kind of like almost ambient, but also just really beautiful um like slower tempo jamming so that that's my pick yeah
2: tom already talked about it um and i said i would talk about it it's, it's about to run and i think there's a few things that make me say that number one trey loves to shred i think it's the new zero um even though he still plays zero but um he gets to give you some rock face and um <laughs> and and his his tone is absolutely incredible these days and it shines through and about to run. Uh, I just love it. And, I, I, um, so I would say about to run, but, um, as I was just humming, I think drift while You're sleeping comes in second for me. It's a, it's an earworm. Um, and, uh, they can all come through in that, that, that jam, um, because of the changes in it. So anyway,
4: Jonathan,
1: well, I, I'm, I'm torn on this one, so I went ahead with uh, Ruby Waves. I think About the Run is uh, an excellent pick. I think Sea of Stars is an excellent pick, but uh, Ruby Waves has the big jam. Uh, it's just kind of what RJ was alluding to earlier, which is that this is the thing that people are going to remember from this tour in a few years is Ruby Waves. It's a great song. We all knew... or I knew, and I think many people knew during the Ghost of the Forest tour that if this came over to Fish, it would be a vehicle, and we were right. Um, It's awesome. I I like the song. I like the jams. They they found their way into it, and uh, yeah, it's good stuff.
4: Tom, I think we probably know your answer already, but uh, what, what did you think about the best new song of the tour? Well, I think
3: by new song, we're all saying Ghost of the Forest songs, right? Pretty much. Um, So of that, because I'm such a a fan, I'm I'm so in the About to Run camp, I I have to say it again, even though it's breaking the rules.
4: It's funny. My my instinct when I first thought about this was to say About to Run. um, It was my favorite song from the ghost of the forest shows um and i think you guys are right that it shreds if we were to open it up i think you could probably put santos in the same category um it's a you know it has been played since the fall but um you know just these shreddy endings that they've kind of gotten to it it seems like they've really learned how to dig into that one and i would actually counter um what uh what brad what you said i feel like uh santos is the new zero right the big like rocking rocking set closer but my my pick is i agree with rj i think it's sea of stars um which is funny because when they when we heard that it goes to the forest i absolutely fell in love with it i love the the space that it creates but i was also nervous um hearing that and thinking about if any of these songs were going to come over to fish thinking that that was going to become like a time turns elastic or petrichor kind of thing where you know people just can't don't have the attention span for it and they sort start running for the bathroom as soon as they um they hear the first notes but i think what happened instead was you know in camden i i absolutely loved it um they created this amazing you know delicate place that um, even the lyrics were like super appropriate. We're all here together and the weather's fine after we had had storms the night (laughs) before and stuff. Um, It gave way beautifully to Waiting All Night, which is one of my favorite of the modern Fish songs. Um, And and then in in, Mohegan, um, the jam out of it was like exactly what I wanted. And and I wonder if this song doesn't point towards like a new direction in, in Fish's sound that we might see play out over the course of the next couple years. So...
3: Listen wherever you get podcasts.
4: So that was a, that was a surprise to me. As I mentioned, um, what do you guys think in terms of like the biggest surprise for the tour? Like what uh, what caught you off guard a little bit, Tom? Maybe we start with you.
3: Oh man, this was no question for me. I was so happy to see Thread back on the set list. Um, that when it kind of came out, it was a little bit rough around the edges. I'm not saying that it's not still rough around the edges, needs a little sanding, needs a little bit more playing. Possibly Trey and I need to sort of relook at it again in some way if we can in a songwriting session or something. But I really love it. I love the, um, I, I like the spirit behind it. I like the story behind it and I like the musical parts and I feel like it's not very understood and so it's a it's a surprise that they played it, and uh, I hope they keep playing it and and honing it.
4: RJ, what was, uh, was a big surprise for you?
0: Well, I, I, guess, um, Brad alluded to the jam length, um, earlier, just, just that they're getting into it so much more, uh, quickly, I guess. I was a little bit surprised that there were, I mean, this sounds completely, uh, elitist and I'm really sorry, but so throughout the whole <laughs> 23 shows, there were only six jams that were t- more than 20 minutes, which I thought was, and that includes You Enjoy Myself and, and other stuff, um. And I just, that was a little surprising to me, given like what we thought about um, all this new music from Casper Vox last fall into the Ghost of the Forest stuff. And I think, I think there was like, I think it was highly anticipated that there were going to be, they were just going to go like they did in the summer of 15 or or summer of 17 and just kind of like, you know, go out there every night. Um, But there were tons of like 15 minute jams that I think were just, as good as as some of the 20 minute jams from a couple of years ago but that was surprising to me cuz so I was I was kind of expecting like every couple of nights we'd see something go go way out there um so that was a little surprising to me Brad how about you
2: um i think the biggest surprise like just generally the biggest surprise um, is that they haven't released any West Coast tour dates yet? But um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, cheating. Uh, I, <laughs> so um, I think that it was so consistently good. If if Toronto is really that bad of a show, then I feel like the people who are rating it aren't really paying attention. Because I think from St. Louis until Alpine Valley Two, they were really really consistently good getting to jams quickly uh even if there wasn't a 20-minute jam in a show you could piece together two or three songs that would look like a nice jam i think if you'd listen to them um so i think the biggest surprise is the last show the alpine valley three um in that it just blew the top off the tour um it blew the top off of alpine valley it it sure seemed just from watching on the on the webcast but um yeah I i would say that last show really uh, I don't know if people saw it coming. I guess you could sort of see it coming when it started, but I definitely didn't expect it on the, uh, before the show started.
4: Yeah, Jonathan, how about your biggest surprise? Well, you know, I I think
1: that the jamming is is interesting to talk about because you know twenty minute jams themselves are so significant because there aren't really that many of them. So six in this tour is, I don't know if that's statistically high or low, but it feels like it's not particularly low. Um, they're they're able to get into a jam and improvise tightly in songs of just about any length. And that's where the term micro jam really comes in. You know, when they're doing, they go into an 11 minute tweezer and it's got some actual type two jamming, and then they drop out and go into something else, that's, that's something that I think that Fish has really honed beautifully. And so the, I, I say this really only in response to uh, what uh, Brad and RJ were saying, uh, because I, I'm, not, I'm I agree with the surprise of the big 40-minute or 38-minute jam. But for me, the biggest surprise really is Beneath the Sea of Stars, uh, I knew when I heard Ghost of the Forest play it that I wanted Fish to play it. Um, I I didn't know that they would. I really, honestly, didn't think that they would because um, just as as Matt you noted that it's a uh, you know kind of points perhaps to a new direction in Fish Jamming. It doesn't on the surface it doesn't sound like Fish it sounds like maybe something fish wandered into once or twice or a handful of times, but it's not really a space that they have explored and space is a key word. Um, it's, I, I I just didn't really expect them to get into it. I certainly didn't expect them to get into it for, you know, more than 15 minutes like they did in, um, at Mohegan. So I, I, I just, I, I adore it. And, um, and, and, and yeah, it, it, that that was my big surprise. And I also want to concur with Tom. We need more thread.
4: <laughs> thank you, thank you. And epitaph. We need epitaph. Ah, but um, yes. So for me, the I thought my biggest surprise. I've got kind of two, but really, um, the number of Ghosts of the Forest songs that that were debuted. I was firmly in the camp of not really thinking that any of these songs were going to make the leap to fish um i i I felt when we saw the show uh at the anthem in in april like the emotional weight of the songs and the the sort of you know how they were so different from so many things and really anything that trey's ever done um i just didn't know if if, if it would happen or if he would kind of silo them over there and just say, no, this is a special kind of one-time thing and, and I'm moving on from it. So yeah. the fact that, you know, I could have said, okay, yeah, maybe like about to run is going to get played and stuff like that. But just the, the sheer volume, I mean, even things like wider got played. I mean, you know, some of the more obscure, like not friend. Yeah. I mean, well, even like the, yeah, I'm thinking like the non album tracks that, that got played. Um, right. So that was, that, that was a pretty big surprise to me. And I think a pleasant one. The other one that I'll throw out there, uh, just sort of as an intangible was the lawn PA system. Like oh, I wasn't, yeah. I good. wasn't at, on the lawn for any of the shows. I was inside for everything that I saw, but Aren't we when I, <laughs> <what> every, <laughs> well, every time well, well. I went out there and from what I heard of, of people and then particularly from where we were at, when we were listening to the sound checks, um, for Camden, I mean, it was like crystal clear out there. Unbelievable. Here I am reading this article that came out today about how people who saw Jimmy Buffett at Alpine Valley this past weekend on the lawn were complaining about how they couldn't hear the show at all, like in like mass spamming Live Nation and saying, this is awful. I couldn't even hear the concert <laughs> I was at. Meanwhile, like the sound may have been better on the lawn for some people than it wasn't in the pavilion on this Fish tour. Um, and I mean, in Camden, that third night sound check you could hear the, the the music crystal clear from like six blocks away from the venue it was un- unbelievable yep. i don't know how they get away f- with that <laughs> but um but yeah so that was i think that was really cool and, and it shows the investment the constant you know strive to improve and make the experience amazing for everybody and not just say well you know what you're on the lawn you paid less money you don't get as good of sound so I think, think yeah. that was pretty cool.
2: <laughs> Let's move on to the most underrated show, which is our uh, last ward section of of the night. And RJ, please start with your most under, underrated show.
0: Okay, I'm going to do it. Bangor Night One. I was listening to it today um, again, and it's there's so much in there. It's again, it's another song that doesn't really slow down. There's a Mike's groove with a really good limb by limb in the first set, and a really really good bathtub gin and a great down with disease and a great simple both miss the twenty minute mark by by less than thirty seconds. So we can't we can't put them on the a, a good jam list. But if you have any jam if you have any good jam lists that are less than twenty minutes, you might want to
4: consider those. But um, I really like that Disqualified.
2: Show. Uh, Matt, Matt, what's your most underrated show?
4: Camden Night One. Uh, I'm really really shocked that there's not as much conversation about this show as there is about um, Camden night three. Really. I think the whole Camden run was, was underrated. Cause I really loved the second night too. I had, um, yeah. I had a lot of intangibles for that first night too. I'll, 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 I'll grant that. Um, you know, I had a, bunch of family members with me that was really cool and um we had just that awesome hang before the show you know we were all like uh tailgating together and hanging out and everything just seemed to everything just seemed to work out really really well that day i was in a great mood we did have a little bit of a delay um because of the rain that came through but i mean you look back on it like they played strawberry letter 23 and old home place and train song and um and that that mercury uh in the second set was just just outstanding um so, uh, that, that gets my vote.
2: Nice. Nice. So, um, Jonathan, you're up next. Um,
4: I have Mohegan
2: one.
1: I, I think that, uh, the first set is just opens with pure fire with the, the return of energy into Wikipog, which is, you know, extremely surprising. Um, and the second set, Beneath the Sea of Stars, which I mentioned earlier, but not just that, the way that flows into Ghost and Birds of a Feather, and neither of these are typical versions of those two songs, but I really like, I think, Beneath the Sea of Stars, the kind of mode and mood of the jamming and that kind of influenced and informed the way they jammed, particularly in Birds of a Feather. Uh, It's uh, dreamy and magical. I know a lot of folks did not speak highly of that show when they came out of it but uh yeah i strongly disagree with them and i think that show is uh it's delightful
3: like i said i can't hang with the hf pod guys in terms of rating shows against each other it's not like in, in my brain to do it yeah. for whatever reason um i can barely rate you know set figure out set lists you guys have that down to a science but i do remember standing i'm not sure if it's underrated or not but uh next to rj and enjoying extremely spack uh night one mm-hmm. and it opened with uh kathy's clown which was which was strange and and uh, very few people knew what it was at first and to me it just uh I, you know it I started smiling and and RJ was dancing his karate chop dance <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> right away and it made everyone around us happy it was just a great great show um highlights I would say there was a uh well RJ in our in the second set we got our um we got our scents and subtle sounds yeah, we, yeah, we had which a, was really ho- great yeah which was really good there was a an interesting uh fuck your face <laughs> uh, right, in yeah. the second set um Haley's was uh, probably a highlight um then uh sorry uh and Harry was probably the the highlight yeah
0: that was that was great it was, yeah. it was a really really good show
3: it was, it was really a good show. Good. And then in the first set, I remember MoMA dance into theme, into meat for me, uh, was kind of the, 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 the highlight. And I always love Walls of the Cave and they, they finished the first set with that. Yeah. RJ, did you drive like 30
0: hours to attend that show? <laughs> almost, almost. Yeah. I did drive to back and back to go see that show. And I'm glad I did. Cause that, all the things Tom mentioned, it was, it was a really, really good night and good to be back. I hadn't been to that venue in you know, almost 10 years. So, um. Really cool. Yeah, yep. thanks for bringing that up, Tom. That, that show was awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you decided to go. You pretend like you weren't going to go, but we all knew we all knew you were actually going to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he,
1: he was asking us yeah. if he
2: should. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Come yeah, on, like, you know you're on. going." Yeah, yeah. He just he didn't yeah, want just, wanted some confirmation on. bias. Um I did. So, my <laughs> underrated show I've talked about it already is Toronto, just because I want to make sure that people understand um that it's not a 2.8. Um you know, it's a. <laughs> there's a bag opener, there's an incredible lot. there's a debut of Ruby Tell us waves, what it's a boot, right, uh, YEM closes the first set, Plasma into Final High, I think the Wingsuit Golden Age I Always Wanted This Way section of the second set is really, really good, uh, yeah. and then the Drift While You're Sleeping to close, yep. which is a 12-minute encore uh, that I think some people left and they were disappointed
0: about, and those people can, you know go sleep in their sad beds they're wrong well i think this brings us to the end of episode 157 um and uh that was really fun guys thanks tom so much for for joining
3: oh thank thank you you so much for having me for episode 157 (laughs) thank you
0: tom (laughs) <laughs> you wouldn't have been you probably would have said no if we if it was 158 but you knew you knew it was gonna be a good one
3: yeah i feel good about this this number <laughs>
0: nice all right um brad thanks thank you thank you guys i, I didn't have to say you were reading the muller report and, mm. and we won't talk about it anymore mm. thanks Mueller. for making it <laughs> jonathan matt thank you guys that was fun yeah, man thanks thanks everyone for listening we'll talk to you soon keep on rocking
4: Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Van Flip Podcast. Every week I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Van Flip Podcast.